Chapter Twelve of A Treasury of Heroes and Heroines. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ina Dubshire, Auckland, New Zealand. A Treasury of Heroes and Heroines by Clayton Edwards. Chapter Twelve. Christopher Columbus in the year fourteen forty seven or about that time there was born in the city of genoa in italy a boy named christopher columbus he was the son of a wool weaver named domenico columbus and spent his early boyhood in the dark and busy weaver's quarter of genoa always within hearing of the sound of the loom his father was an industrious and hard-working man and designed that christopher should become a wool weaver like himself it was a good business he thought and all his sons might enter it with credit and profit and though they must work hard they would have an honest business and an occupation for their lives but christopher was an adventurous boy and preferred the crowded harbour and the busy docks of genoa to the stuffy weaving-room in his spare time he was constantly beside the water talking with the sailors from all parts of the earth and hearing wonderful tales of adventure that stirred his blood the sea was a dangerous place in those days for not only were the ships small and badly built so that they could only with the greatest difficulty weather the gales that beat in vain against the steel sides of our great ships to-day but there were many outlaws and pirates who followed the sea and made every voyage peril there were dark-skinned moslems or moors who would swoop in their swift boats upon christian craft to kill or capture all on board selling their prisoners into the horrible slavery of the far east there were also fearful tales of serpents and dragons that lived in the far waters of the sea of darkness for so the atlantic ocean was known among the seafaring men of italy spain and portugal and stories galore of gold and undiscovered land and many of the more adventurous youths of those days became sailors to see with their own eyes the marvels that the mariners would describe while splicing rope upon the docks when ten years old however christopher was made to work in the wool shop and became his father's apprentice with little free time from the loom to go about his own affairs it is thought that he did not take kindly to this business and he may have run away for a few years later we hear rumors of him in the university of pavia where although a lad in his teens he was greatly interested in the studies of geography and astronomy he had already learned all that was then known about the science of navigation and the use of the few rude instruments with which mariners determined their position on the sea he had also mastered the science of making maps and was so skilful at drawing them that he could earn his living by this means he had taken his first trips as a sailor and visited many ports in the immediate vicinity of genoa and perhaps he had gone even farther for the love of adventure and of a wandering life were in his blood when a very young man the wanderings of columbus brought him to portugal where he lived for a time at lisbon with his brother bartholomew who already had made his home there and was drawing maps for a living the portuguese were the best sailors of europe and the boldest explorers perhaps that was the reason why columbus went to portugal to live but another story later told by his son says that he was attacked by pirates when in command of a vessel not far from the portuguese coast and saved his life by swimming to the shore 
while columbus was drawing maps in lisbon he used to go to a church that was visited by a beautiful girl called the lady philippa the cousin to no less a person than the archbishop of lisbon himself columbus fell in love with her and attended the church whenever he believed that it would be possible to see her there she in turn began to look with kindness upon him and at last columbus and the lady philippa were married and the marriage proved to be a very happy one philippa's grandfather had himself been a bold sailor and an adventurous explorer and discovered the madeira islands where his granddaughter owned some property as she did not like the idea of having her husband work constantly making maps the young couple went to live on the madeira islands at a place called porto santo where philippa's brother was governor porto santo was on the edge of the sea of darkness and was full of the most terrible and mysterious tales concerning it while a few learned men of the time began to think that the world was round most of the sailors and even the scholars thought that it was flat and that by sailing westward on the atlantic you would eventually fall off of the rim of the world the west was also thought to be inhabited by fearful monsters sea serpents were there of a size so great that they could easily crush a sailing vessel in their jaws there were dragons and giant devilfish in one place there was a burning belt where the air was like molten flame and the sea a mass of fire in another there lived evil spirits and demons and a fate worse than death would befall any sailor that ventured there if you sailed to the south so the mariners believed you would come to a land where the air was too hot to support life while if you sailed to the north you would arrive at a clime so frigid that you would certainly freeze to death the sailors believed these things because the air grew warmer as they ventured down the coast of africa toward the equator and colder when they sailed past england and the scandinavian peninsula to the chill seas that border on the arctic circle while columbus lived at porto santo however he heard other tales that interested him greatly and made him believe that the world was round and that all the legends of the sea of darkness were idle fancies or at least that it would be possible to sail across this sea and come to the wonderful countries of india and china and japan for the governor of porto santo had told him of strange things that had been washed on the shore when the wind had blown for many days from the west of a cane so thick through that it would hold a gallon of wine of a piece of wood carved in a manner that never had been seen before and once of a canoe which had been made by hollowing out a giant tree in which were the dead bodies of two strange men such as the european world had never seen yellow in color with flat broad faces columbus thought greatly about these things and studied again what little was known of the world's geography and he became convinced that by sailing to the westward he would reach japan and china and determined to set out upon this marvellous and brave adventure first he went to the king of portugal in whose dominions he had made his home and asked the king for ships and men to undertake a trip that would make portugal the richest and most powerful kingdom in the entire world for once the new lands were discovered said columbus there would be gold for all and land plenty to say nothing of the opportunity for carrying the religion of the holy catholic church into far lands and saving the souls of the heathen the king of portugal was greatly interested in columbus's word but he thought that columbus was too greedy in what he demanded for himself 
for the ambitious sailor desired a tenth part of all the profits that would be gained by his voyaging and wanted also to be considered as king in the countries that he would discover therefore without saying anything about it to columbus the king of portugal tried to cheat him out of the fruits of his great idea by secretly sending a sailing vessel with another captain on a voyage to that part of the ocean where columbus thought that china and japan could be found this boat sailed into the west for many days but encountered terrible gales and turned back and the captain to save his face among the mariners exaggerated the difficulties that he had encountered declaring that it was idle nonsense to think that anything could be gained by sailing westward columbus soon heard how the king had deceived him and determined to leave portugal forever in addition to the deceit that had been practised upon him in which others had so basely tried to rob him of the rewards of his great design a far greater sorrow had come into his life by the death of his good wife whom he had loved tenderly so with his little son diego columbus went to spain thinking that perhaps the spanish king and queen would listen to him and give him ships and money to carry out his plan the king and queen of spain or rather the rulers of the two related kingdoms of castile and aragon were named ferdinand and isabella a terrible war was going on between these spanish kingdoms and the moors who had overrun spain hundreds of years before queen isabella however was deeply interested in the words of columbus particularly because she was a devout catholic and desired to spread the catholic religion in the far east she told columbus that she was too busily engaged in fighting the moors to help him then and that he must wait until the wars were finished when she assured him he should have the money and the ships he needed to carry out his design for the glory of spain and the catholic faith but the war against the moors lasted for years and columbus vainly waiting at court seemed no nearer to getting the ships and crews that he so ardently desired than when in portugal being cheated by the portuguese king he had no money and in following the court it was hard for him to earn anything to pay for his needs his garments became worn and tattered so much so that he became known as the man with the cloak full of holes at one time he went into the army and battled against the moors but as he received no pay he was compelled at last to take up his map drawing once again to earn enough money for food and clothing disappointed and discouraged he sent his brother bartholomew to the court of the king of england but the ship was robbed by pirates and bartholomew was obliged to return after compelling columbus to wait for seven long years the king and queen of spain went back on their word and refused to have anything to do with his adventure scientists had ridiculed it and told them that they might just as well cast their gold into the sea as to give it to columbus so the unhappy columbus was compelled to leave court his hopes extinguished and plunged into the lowest depths of despair with him was his son who was now old enough to accompany him in his wanderings together they passed a monastery called la robida where columbus paused to beg a mouthful of bread and a drink of water for his boy and here there came an absolute change in his fortunes for here dwelt a prior who had formerly been confessor to queen isabella with whom he still had a great deal of influence and after going over columbus's plan with a shipbuilder named martin pinson and an astronomer named hernandez the good friar promised to ask the queen to grant columbus's request at all speed he went to the spanish court and brought back word that columbus was to receive another interview with the queen 
with the additional good news that he was to be of good heart in the meantime for his request was to be granted and queen isabella also sent columbus a sum of money with which to buy decent raiment and pay his expenses in coming back to the court in this way it befell that after weary years of waiting the great idea of columbus was finally received and he was allowed to set out on his wonderful voyage and he was so sure of success that he almost seemed to see the new lands that lay thousands of miles across the sea of darkness columbus went back to court and made certain demands of king ferdinand and queen isabella that they finally consented to namely that he was to be the admiral of the ocean sea for so he called atlantic and should rule over all new lands that he discovered one-tenth of all future profits from these lands were to be his and he alone should have the right to settle trade disputes that might arise in addition to these things he was to receive one-eighth of the profits of his first voyage as he was willing and in fact his agreement with the queen demanded that he should pay one-eighth of the expenses of the venture once the consent of the king and queen had been given and the money provided columbus set out about collecting his vessels and their crews this last however was a difficult undertaking for so many and terrible were the stories about the sea of darkness and the monsters that lived near the far edge of the world that the boldest mariners refused to venture with him on such an errand and finally his crew was gathered by proclaiming in the jails that any criminal who accompanied him was to receive full pardon on his return to spain a means that filled his ships with the most worthless and evil men three ships were provided they were called the santa maria the pinta and the nina the last of which was so small that it seemed in size little more than a modern lifeboat as it only had room for eighteen men the pinta carried twenty-seven men and was under the command of the same martin pinson who had aided columbus in gaining the ear of queen isabella a man whom columbus trusted completely but was to betray that trust long before columbus returned from his perilous voyage the santa maria was the largest of the three ships and held fifty-seven men this was columbus's flagship at a seaport called palace these vessels were made ready for their voyage and on the third of august fourteen ninety two they might have been seen with the sunlight gleaming on their white sails on which were painted the huge red crosses of the catholic faith as they made their way into the open sea and bore to the westward under a favoring breeze they stopped at the canary islands where food and water were taken aboard and then leaving behind them the entire civilized world they sailed boldly out into the sea of darkness toward that far region where not only the unknown but all the fears that the superstitious seamen could invent awaited them it was not long before columbus saw that among his crew of desperate ruffians and jailbirds there were many who would betray him on the first opportunity on the way to the canaries and while stopping there the rudder of the pinta was twice broken and now that the open sea was reached and they were sailing into the far west the helmsmen tried to alter the course of the vessels so that they might not go any further when columbus slept the men at the tillers of all three ships would steer into the northeast instead of the west so that the vessels unperceived might turn upon their own course and eventually return to the canary islands and to spain but columbus was too shrewd a sailor to be tricked by any such clumsy means 
and placed the few men that he could trust in charge of the helm fortunately for his design a breeze came from the eastward and bore them rapidly along their course columbus moreover did not let the men know how far they had sailed but every day gave out a distance far less than what had actually been completed so that his sailors might think themselves nearer to spain than was the reality on the thirteenth of september however something took place that caused even columbus's bold heart to beat quicker with fear for the compass that infallible instrument of direction which was trusted by the mariners of those days even more than it is in the present time began to veer around from the north and no longer pointed steadily to the pole only a few of columbus's men were aware of this and columbus strengthened their resolution by telling them that it was not the compass which was at fault but rather the pole star that was changing so that the compass still pointed truly and on and on they sailed into the west as days and weeks went by a great fear gripped the hearts of the sailors never had any men been so far from the shore as they day after day they saw nothing but roaring waves and the empty sky they believed that even if they turned their vessels about it would be almost impossible for them to return and anger and bitterness arose in their hearts against the brave leader whose strong will and steady hand forced them to continue the perilous voyage at last however they began to see signs of land that cheered them greatly terns and seagulls appeared about their vessel diving for the scraps of food that they tossed overboard one day some little birds that came from the land rested in the rigging and sang with their hearts high they watched for land but it did not appear on and on they sailed and still nothing was to be seen but the wide sky and the watery horizon but more signs of land soon appeared a branch from the wild rose bush floated past weeds were seen in the water a careful lookout was kept and a large reward was promised to that sailor who might first see land on the ninth of october eleventh columbus believed that he saw a light directly in front of his vessel it moved glimmered and disappeared only to appear again a moment later some of the lookouts also thought that they had seen it and the watch for land became keener than ever at about two in the morning the cry of land was raised one of the sailors had seen a sandbar and a low line of land at once the vessel anchored and with beating hearts the sailors waited for the morning that was to be fraught by such tremendous adventure sure enough the rising sun disclosed green hills from which the breeze brought a most delicious perfume and where as they drew closer the birds could be heard singing and on the shore a crowd of savages was gazing with astonishment upon the mysterious ships that floated with sails furled on the smooth waters of the bay hardly able to speak for excitement and joy the sailors leaped into their rowboats first of all was columbus richly apparelled with the banner of spain in his hand and as the prow of his boat grounded in the sand he sprang ashore and took possession of the land in the name of king ferdinand and queen isabella unfurling the gorgeous banner to the breeze then he and his men kneeled and said a prayer of thankfulness and they also planted in the earth a great wooden cross to show that the new land had come under the power of the christian church the natives who had gazed with wonder upon these actions now approached timidly but with every sign of friendship 
offering columbus gifts of flowers and fruits and gay colored parrots and lances tipped with bone and feather belts they seemed to have no difficulty in understanding the sign language that the spaniards used to make their wants understood and they worshipped the newcomers as though they were more than human and indeed their simple minds were convinced that these gorgeous strangers in velvets and armor were no less than superhuman beings by the sign language the savages made columbus understand that there were other lands not far off and he believed that he had arrived at india and could sail in the course of a few days to the rich countries of china and japan and he called the natives indians as a token of his belief a name that they and all the other natives of the american continent have borne to the present time to his dying day columbus believed that he had reached india and the far east how great would have been his astonishment had he known that another ocean nearly twice as broad as the one that he had crossed lay between him and the orient and that he had come upon an entirely new world where no civilized man had ever set foot before columbus named the island that he first set foot upon san salvador after he had remained there for some time he gathered his crews and set sail once more to discover other lands he came to the island of cuba and he discovered haiti but he thought that these were islands or part of the mainland of japan china or india and so reported them in his writings and now came his first bitter taste of the treachery that was to wreck his fortunes for martin pinzon in command of the pinta deserted him to search for gold sailing away in the pinta to cruise where he pleased then through the carelessness of a helmsman the santa maria was wrecked upon a reef and columbus was left with only the nina which could carry at most eighteen men to bear the news of his great discovery back across the ocean to the kingdom of spain a native king however came to his aid and with his tribe helped columbus to save everything that was aboard the santa maria and trusting in his kindness columbus decided to found a colony where the greater part of his followers could remain while he with a few men sailed back to spain in the nina to carry the word of what had been accomplished this was done and columbus founded his colony after building a fort from the timber of the santa maria and he cautioned his men to treat the natives kindly and to respect in every way their rights and their property then with a few men he boarded the nina and set sail for spain on his way he encountered the treacherous martin pinson and the pinta and the voyage across the ocean recommenced it was a terrible voyage for a hurricane fell upon his tiny vessels and they were almost destroyed the seas said columbus ran first in one direction and then in another and at times completely submerged his ships convinced that he was going to be drowned and that the news of his discovery would die with him he placed an account of it in a watertight keg which he tossed overboard with his own hands preparing another one which he left upon the deck of the vessel to be floated off when it sank beneath the waves in the nick of time however the waves moderated and after a weary voyage and many adventures columbus dropped anchor in the harbor at palos from which he had sailed months before he then sent word to ferdinand and isabella of his discovery and was received with the utmost pomp and ceremony the king and queen were overjoyed at his achievement and granted him honors which hitherto had never been allowed to any of their subjects 
Columbus sat with them, enthroned beneath a canopy of cloth of gold, and he rode at the side of the king in a triumphal procession. He gave the king and queen, who had so greatly befriended him, many gay-colored parrots, and rich fruits and spices that he had brought with him from the west, and he showed Isabella a number of the Indians whom he had brought back across the sea. His fame quickly penetrated beyond Spain, and the entire Christian world rang with the deeds he had accomplished and the wonders he had seen, and Columbus's triumph was in no way marred by the treachery of Martin Pinson, who once again had sought to betray his master and leader, for when the vessels reached Spain, Pinson had hastened to send to the Queen word of their arrival, and had represented the discovery as the result of his own courage and sagacity. He was, however, coldly received, and shortly afterward died beneath a cloud of disgrace that he richly deserved. Then Queen Isabella bade Columbus prepare for another voyage to the west and add to his discoveries, particularly to find gold that the kingdom of Spain was in great need of. This time it was not difficult to raise a crew, and soon Columbus once more set sail into the west with many vessels under his command. When he arrived at the spot where his colony had been founded, he learned that terrible things had happened in his absence. The Spaniards had abused the unsuspecting natives until these had risen in revolt and attacked the fort and all of the spaniards that columbus had left behind not a single man remained alive and this was only the beginning of the trouble that was to pursue columbus until the end of his life quarrelling and strife broke out among the men that were under him when he sent a part of his fleet back to spain his enemies and those who were jealous of his greatness hastened to spread evil reports about him that came to the ears of the king and queen still however they continued to trust him and when Columbus returned, they sent him forth on a third voyage, in which he was to bend all his efforts to find the mainland of Asia, which he believed lay only a short distance beyond the colony that he had founded. On this voyage, however, strife broke out to such an extent among his followers, and so many and so lawless were the ill deeds in their commander's absence, for the need of discovery had forced Columbus to leave the governing of the colony in the hands of others than himself, that the king and queen finally sent out a man named Bobadilla to succeed Columbus and take over his powers. Bobadilla hated Columbus and forced upon him an indignity that is pitiful to think of, for the discoverer of the new world and the admiral of the ocean sea was compelled to return to Spain wearing chains that had been locked upon his wrist at Bobadilla's orders. When the captain of the vessel that bore Columbus homeward was about to remove the feathers, Columbus haughtily refused to take them off, saying that he would not part with them until he had knelt in chains before his sovereigns and given them this proof of the ingratitude with which they had treated him. And Columbus at last came before Queen Isabella, ill in body and broken in mind, from the hardships and indignities that he suffered when the queen saw how her command had been twisted and the shame that had come upon the man who had served her so splendidly she wept and asked his forgiveness and columbus also wept at the memory of what he suffered unhappily the full measure of columbus's misfortune was yet to come queen isabella died and ferdinand who at the best had been no more than lukewarm toward the achievements of the great sailor refused to take any further interest in columbus 
or what might become of him. The pension that Columbus had earned was never given to him, nor did he get the share in the profits of his venture that rightfully should have been his. So ill that he could not walk, he entreated Ferdinand at least to pay his sailors for their last voyage, but this was never done. Deserted, old and broken-hearted, Columbus, who had aged before his time as a result of his hard life, died in 1506 in a room where he had hung his chains as a sign of the ingratitude of his sovereign. He knew, however, that he had accomplished something that would make his name immortal, and he died with this consolation. He did not know, however, that he had done something far mightier than his original design of crossing the Atlantic Ocean to Asia namely that he had discovered a new world that was to give birth to a great nation greater one thousandfold than the spain that he had served End of chapter twelve